God, as we have just sung about, cried out to you in regards to and focused on in our worship, your goodness. God, I thank you that you are our daddy, that you are Abba, Father, and that you are good. And Father, I pray that you would be with those who entered this room today, who may be listening today, who are having a difficult time finding your goodness in this world, in this life. And Father, I pray that you would be with us right now as we take a look at your word and what it has to say about the difficult tension that we have of asking whatever we ask and yet praying for your will to be done. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead us, that you would help us understand your word. This morning, give comfort to those who desperately need to be comforted. Give those who this morning need to be challenged in their faith walk and their journey with you a challenge. And God, I pray that you would convict each one of us. God, I pray that you would be with us now as we continue in our series called United. I pray that you would reveal to us personally and corporately what it means when the church prays, when we gather together and we, when we pray. Father, I pray that our passion to meet with you regularly would be ignited. Be with us now as we look to your word. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7. We'll be in several different places, but we'll end up in Matthew chapter 7. And today is week 6 in our series called United, What Happens When the Church Prays. And many of you have joined in in a 40-day prayer journey, and I hope and I pray that that's a fruitful time. I pray that it, uh, it is something that stirs you spiritually and has challenged you and moved you spiritually. Uh, I pray that God would answer some of those big, bold prayers, as Clint mentioned a few weeks ago, that you may be praying for your life and the lives of those you love. But I really want for us as a church to understand that something happens when God's people are brought together and when we pray. And we'll have the opportunity over the next two weeks to even exercise that in this place. But I've always had this question, this struggle, this dilemma, this tension between two things that Jesus teaches us. And I'm pretty sure I'm probably not the only one in this room and in the sound of my voice that's had that same tension. And it has to do with those things that we ask that are bold and audacious. And it has to do with God's will. And sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, it's very, very difficult to understand. And my prayer for all of us today is that God's Holy Spirit would give us a glimpse maybe into what it is, even though we may not fully understand it until we get to heaven one day, in understanding where we need to be in our prayer lives. I want to ask you a question this morning. As we head into the holiday season, uh, I mentioned last week that my family has decided that we are going to be setting up for Christmas very shortly. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, and, and I know we're heading into the Christmas season, and I want you to put in your mind this morning, um, when you were a child, when you were, you know, had that innocence about Christmas and about this time of year and this season, um, what was the biggest thing that you ever asked for? What was the greatest thing that you in your life ever asked from your parents or from Santa? Yes, I just said Santa in church. I know. I oh, it's wrong of me. I'm so sorry. But anyway, all right. So, <laughs> like, what is the greatest thing that you ever asked for around Christmas or maybe even in your life? I, I remember one thing in particular that I asked for. Now, just to frame the story of how my life went, um, we were the last people that I knew um, who, who got a VHS player. I mean, no kidding. Like, we had the big... You remember the TVs? Some of you remember this. And by the way, some of you have no idea. A lot of you guys right down here have no idea what VHS is. Google it later. Okay, so anyway, you can have some fun with that. Uh, ask your parents better yet, all right? So, but we had the big TV um, that was like a piece of furniture that had the dial knobs on it. And you get three channels, and it had like ten. And you're like, why are the other seven there? You only get three. I don't know why. And at night, it went to black and gray. And, you know, anyway, it's uh, Google that, too, guys, if you're under about 20 or 40. Anyway, so, um, but we were the last people. And I remember on top of the piece of furniture that we called a TV, um, on top of that, um, we finally, like I was almost embarrassed to bring people over to my house because we didn't have a VHS player. And finally, we got a VHS player. And it had a cord. came with a cord with a remote control on it. <laughs> so you guys remember this, right? And when you press the buttons, it would click. There was like, like a mechanism inside the buttons. Like it just went click, you know, like so to stop it and that sort of thing. It was just crazy. And you had to arrange your whole furniture, your whole living room based on the length of the cord. That was it right there. So like the recliner and the, everything went further to the TV, not because mom and dad couldn't see, but because that's as long as the cord would go. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm going down memory lane here. But I remember um, as a teenager, I'm kind of getting to the point probably about the same age Sydney is right now, and I'm putting a terrible thing in her mind, I'm sure right now she's listening, um, is I asked for a TV in my room. Now, a guy that, like, in his house, parents had a, a piece of furniture for a TV, and we didn't get a VHS player until everybody in the world had one. Um, I was not getting a TV in my room. It was not going to happen. And I desperately wanted it, and I asked for it, and it was no, 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 and it was no. And I, I never got it. I never got the TV until I got out of the house, until I got married. Then we got a TV in our room, right? And so it was like, finally, we got the TV in the room. I never had it growing up. And I remember asking for that big thing, but I remember asking for that thing and thinking there is no way that this is ever going to be answered. I remember thinking that as I was asking for it and as I was having the conversation with my dad about it and my mom about it. And I got to be honest with you, there was a frustration. There was a bit of a tension there because I was a pretty good kid. Like I didn't cause much. I didn't like rock the boat too much. I was pretty decent. And I thought, you know, I deserve a TV in my room and it needs to be this Christmas. It just never happened. All right. And so there was a tension there. And if I'm really honest with you and I think about my spiritual life, um, there have been times in my spiritual life when I was asking God for a TV, knowing full well that that thing wasn't for my best. It wasn't for my good. 
And I remember several times in my life thinking, I want this from God, and I want it this way, and here's how I want it, here's the plan, and God, let me give you the game plan, and you need to get on my page of this game plan, like you're in the game plan somewhere, God, just get on. And I remember thinking, how is it, how is it that Jesus says that we can go to him and we can ask anything? And yet he doesn't give it or he doesn't seem to give it. And this whole idea of asking for God's will is so prominent in the New Testament, is so prominent in the Gospels. In fact, um, Jesus, I think, taught us several things about prayer. In fact, he taught us a lot about prayer. But there are three things that I want to take a look at today that kind of, I think, set the stage for this tension that I want to talk about this morning. And that is, is that Jesus, first and foremost, he taught us to pray for God's will to be done. It's found in this message that he preaches, um, this, this message that he delivers on the side of a mountain. It was called the Sermon on the Mount. And in the middle of this message, he taught us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 8 through 13, how to pray. He taught us to pray for God's will to be done. Check this out. He says, do not be like them. He's just talked about the hypocrites. He's just talked about the spiritual leaders. And he says, don't be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he says this in verse 9. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Say it with me. Your will be done. And then he goes on to say, on earth as it is in heaven. He says, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And part of the way that Jesus taught us to pray, part of the way he taught us to pray in that Lord's Prayer that I realize a lot of you probably know from being in school or being in church or whatever you had to learn it. Um, I was um, thinking about my, um, I learned, I went to Spanish, I took Spanish, Spanish 1 and 2, and we we learned the Lord's Prayer. I didn't learn much beyond the Lord's Prayer, but we learned the Lord's Prayer. And so um, don't ask me to recite it in Espanol. That would not be very good today. But um, so he teaches us here to pray, your will be done. And so Jesus, from the get-go, taught us to pray this. And I think let's stop for a moment and talk about this idea of God's will and how difficult that is. It's to be honest this morning, how difficult that whole subject is. The whole idea of God's will, one of the most, it's very difficult. One of the most spiritual people that I know, one of the most godly people that, that I know ha, has always challenged me on this. Like, I don't understand when you say God's will. It's very difficult to understand. And God's will and God's sovereignty kind of go together, and there's a whole theology behind that that's so interesting and complex, and it's for another time. But, but the problem arises when we don't really understand that God's will has to do with him receiving glory, first and foremost, for everything that takes place. But he also is for our good, as we just sang about. And so Jesus taught us how to pray, and right in the middle of that teaching, he teaches us to pray for God's will to be done. And if I'm truthful and honest with you, there are times when I pray for God's will to be done, and I'm just doing it kind of dutifully, 
I mean, I'm a pastor, so I'm kind of supposed to, right? Pray God's will to be done. And I kind of tag it on to the end of whatever I'm asking for. And I'm doing it maybe out of duty, sometimes believing, sometimes with a little bit of unbelief. I'll talk about that in a moment. It's very difficult for us to understand God's will. And so I think sometimes we just tag it on because Jesus taught us to pray for God's will to be done. But I love that Jesus didn't teach us, just teach us how to pray God's will to be done. He also showed us, he also demonstrated this, and he did it at the point of his greatest need. He showed us, that's the second point I want you to see today, is that Jesus showed us how to pray for God's will to be done. Check it out in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. There he is on the cross, getting ready to go to the cross, and he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, Nevertheless, not my will, but, what does he say there? Yours be done. Nevertheless, not my will. This is Jesus. Remember, this is God's son who's about ready to go to the cross. And he is praying for God's will to be done. So much more should we then pray for God's will to be done. And I love that Jesus didn't just tell us how to pray, but he showed us how to pray in his very, in his most desperate moment. In his, the, the, remember, he was all God, but he was also all human. And so he experienced many of the things that we have experienced, all the things that we experienced. And it's so true when the Bible says that we, have, we don't have a great high priest who's unfamiliar with our suffering. I love that. Even so much that Jesus prayed for God's will. That doesn't perhaps help us to understand it anymore. Jesus taught us to pray, God's will be done. He showed us and demonstrated to pray, God's will be done. But here's where the confusion lies in this third point about what Jesus taught us about prayer. And that is is that Jesus taught us to pray and ask for anything. He says it multiple times, over and over and over again. He says this in the Gospels. He says it all throughout the Gospel message. Check this out. This is just a few of the times when Jesus taught us to ask for anything. In Matthew 18, 19, he says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, the word there is anything. You know what it means in the original language? Anything. All right, that's what it means in the original language. No secret there. It means anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And so he's demonstrating or he's teaching us here that if we come together, two or more come together and ask anything in my Father's name, that mutual agreement leads to answered prayer. In Matthew 21, verse 22, Jesus said, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask, he says, whatever you ask. I want to repeat that. He said, whatever you ask, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, received it, and it will be yours. Mark eleven twenty four. he says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Essentially the same thing. I think he tells us in those two verses that 
genuine belief leads to answered prayer. In John 15, 16, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So what's that next word? Whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give to you, instructing us that whatever we ask in Jesus' name, he will give to us. In John 16, 23 and 24, in that day, you will ask nothing to me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you until now. You have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. And so Jesus taught these two things about prayer, among many other things, but he taught these two things. He said, I want you to pray that the will of God be done, but I also want you to ask whatever it is or anything. And he says that we should ask anything. And I got to be honest with you, church. There are times when those two things seem like they're diametrically opposed to each other. It seems like those two things are sometimes not in agreement. And I'm not going to go into the details of the story because I've told it before, but the time that this hit home for me to the greatest degree was when in January of 2015, my mom got sick, and by March 24th, she had passed away from cancer, an aggressive form of cancer that had returned. And I'm not going to go into the details of that, but I remember, I remember praying the prayer, God, heal my mom, heal my mom. And then as I began to search God's word, I realized that the prayer that I needed to pray was heal my mom. God, please heal my mom, but your will be done. And if I'm really truthful and honest with you, there were times during those six weeks that I prayed, and I'm I'm not sure that I really believed the first part, that God could actually do that. As time went on, I realized that there was an agreement between those two things. But the way that I thought the agreement should be isn't exactly the way that God had intended it. And so asking that my mom be healed from this terrible disease and praying God's will at the same time began to spiritually connect in my heart, even though if it didn't make sense in my mind. And church, I think that's maybe on this side of heaven where we should probably be, is that sometimes praying whatever we ask and also praying the way Jesus taught us that his will be done, sometimes those things may not connect in our minds. But if we truly believe the prayers that we're praying, and if we truly understand who God is and what he's done and how amazingly good he is, those things begin to align up in our hearts. There were times that I felt terribly disingenuous in my prayer to God. Terribly disingenuous. Heal her and your will be done. And if I'm truly honest, there were times that I think I prayed that last part just in case God didn't come through. But the problem was is that I wasn't really thinking about the way that maybe God wanted to answer the prayer because I wanted it my way. I wanted it my way. 
Matthew 7, at the end of this message, at the end of this message that, teach, that Jesus is giving on the, this, this mountainside, the Sermon on the Mount, he, he, he gives a great illustration, great metaphor, and he teaches us something about believing prayer. And I think that we can learn how to pray whatever we ask and his will to be done in the same sentence, in the same prayer, based on this passage if we really understand this passage, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, Jesus says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Some of you probably know this by heart. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And he says, this is very familiar from what we just read, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Those are pretty certain words, aren't they? Those are pretty certain phrases. There's no ambiguity there. He says, the one who seeks will find. The one who knocks will, it will be opened. And the one, uh, the, the one who asks will receive. In verse 9, he says, or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone. I love that. That's great. <laughs> or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. And then in verse 11, and here's where I want to kind of bring us to a conclusion here today and and, and kind of camp out for the next few minutes. He says, if then, you, essentially he says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? And it doesn't compute totally for us mentally on this side of heaven, but it sure helps us understand when we think about what we just sang about, and that is the goodness of God, that God gives good things when we ask him. That he gives good things when we ask him. You see, God's will being done can either be a qualifier to our unbelief or it can be an agreement to our belief. And it's his will that we should stand on. It's his will and his sovereignty and the fact that he's in control that we should be rooted in and planted on. You see, when we pray for God's will to be done as a qualifier in case that God doesn't come through, I think we demonstrate at least a bit of unbelief. Man, I remember kind of going through that process with my mom, beginning to learn how to pray God's will be done in whatever I'm asking in belief, not in unbelief, just in case he didn't come through. See, when we pray for God's will to be done as a qualifier in case God doesn't come through, it demonstrates unbelief. But when we pray for God's will to be done as an alignment as an alignment between um, our request and our trust that God has our good in mind, then we demonstrate belief. Then we're praying, believing. And it's not this health, wealth, prosperity, gospel theology stuff that you hear so often today. It is rooted in the will and the goodness of who God is. 
question is, is how can we confidently pray both of those things at the same time? How can we pray for anything while also praying God's will? And the first point that I want to make today as we, we begin to close, is, I know I've said that twice now, uh, is that we, number one, we pray with confidence because God is good. We can pray with confidence today for whatever we ask and his will to be done at the same time because he is the embodiment of good, just like we sang about. He is the embodiment of good. You see, he is qualified to answer his children with good things because he himself is good. At the end of this summer, our air conditioning in our house went out. Not a good time for that to happen, but we knew it was coming. And when our air conditioning system went out in our house, um, I didn't call my friend who said, man, I've got a hobby and it's HVAC stuff. I didn't call my mechanic who works on cars. I didn't call my doctor, who I love my doctor, but like, um, I didn't call my doctor because like, he, he doesn't know about air conditioning systems. I called an air conditioning expert because he knows about air conditioning systems and he is qualified to work on air conditioning systems. Now, hopefully he's not at home sitting in 100 degree heat himself because that would cause me to lose some confidence. The cobbler's family has no shoes, right? You know that phrase, that old phrase? You see, with God, that phrase does not apply because he is good church he is good he is good so we can have confidence to ask him for anything and his will be done look at the verse again if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children and jesus is saying there if you know how to give good gifts to your children and you have sin and you you have evil in you how much more will the father he's talking about our heavenly father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask He is qualified. He is the expert on how to give good gifts. On how to give good gifts. Even though we may not think they're good, and that leads me to the second point today, is is that we can pray with confidence not only because God is good, but we can pray with confidence because God's certain best is better than our assumed good. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. And if the first one kind of drives at the basis for our request, this one really kind of drives to the predetermined outcome that we have in mind for our request. I wanted a TV in my room because I thought that would make me happy. I thought it would be good for Todd. I'm still not convinced it wouldn't have been, but it probably wasn't the best thing for me, right? You see, we go to God so often. I do it so often. I don't do it as much on the big things because I had this experience with this great big, big thing that I had to circle in my life with my mom. But sometimes I do it on the small stuff of life. I go to him with this outcome in mind. God, this is what I need. I have a financial struggle and this is what I need. I'm in this difficult relationship struggle and I know that she is what I need or he is the answer that I'm looking for. And we pray with the end in mind, but we can pray with confidence and ask for anything and God's will to be done because God's certain 
best. His sovereignty, his will, is better than our assumed good. And the last way that we can pray with confidence is we can pray with confidence not only because God is good, not only because God's certain best is better than our assumed good, but also we can pray with confidence because God's different answer to our request is for our good. This one's also difficult. And it doesn't have to do with the outcome as much. It doesn't have to do with the source of our prayer, but it has to do with the way that we want, the how we want God to answer our request. Because we have a predetermined outcome that we think he needs to answer, and then sometimes we get involved in the way that we think he should answer. You see, what happens when we do that is our request, we're trying to get our request to frame his will. In church, it really ought to be the other way around. His will ought to frame our request. Now, I, I want to admit to you today that I'm not totally comfortable with all of this. Even one of my you know, guys that I, I listen to and watch and, and, and hear, John Piper, said just recently about this same issue, roughly the same issue. He says, I'm 72 years old, and I, I don't think I'll ever figure this all out, this balance, this tension between God's will. And we're not allowed to ask anything that we think or anything that we ask. And I wonder if we can come just a little bit closer to understanding what that is when we truly understand that God is good. And we can pray with confidence because he's good. We can pray with confidence because his certain best is better. His certain best is better than our assumed good. And we can pray with confidence because God's different answer to our request is for our good. The way that he answers our prayer, we are sometimes disappointed with. And as Cynthia just mentioned as we were worshiping, sometimes we miss God's good because we're not looking for it. I know that's true of me. We're not looking for it in the answer. And today, whatever your greatest burden is, whatever your greatest request is, whatever your TV in your room is today, whatever that is, whether it's a health issue or a financial issue or massive tension that you have in, in your community or in your home, number one, I want you to hear that God wants your good. He can give you his best. And sometimes it may not make total sense why we're instructed to ask for his will to be done at the same time we're to ask for anything. I think the more that we practice that, the more that we practice praying those things together, maybe the better we get at understanding it. I'm sure glad that he has our good in mind. Because I think about when Jesus was hanging there on the cross and the disciples that had given up everything to follow him, probably thought in that moment, I had a better way. I had a better outcome than he did. I had a better way to solve the problem of sin and God is perfect and we're not. I didn't want the guy that I chose to follow to die this brutal death on the cross. And that was God's son demonstrating that his good was for us even to the extent that he would give up his son Romans 8:32 and I'll end here tonight 
really end here today. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Today I want you to think about that greatest need that you have in your life, your greatest request. And right now, just in the silence of this room, as we begin to pray, and I know the band's going to be coming up here, I want you to be thinking about what that thing is. Would you just bow your head this morning? I want you to be thinking about the greatest need that you have, the thing that's most heavy on your heart. Maybe it's someone who's far from God. Maybe for you it's a wayward child. Maybe it's somebody who you've been trying to reach for a long time. And they continue to reject, they continue to reject. Maybe it's a marriage issue. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's something in your own personal life that just keeps coming back into your life. And today you would say, boy, it's hard for me to reckon. It's hard for me to balance. It's hard for me to kind of make this idea of me praying for that thing. And God's will being done seem to come into alignment. Well, today, with that in mind, I want you to begin to think about the goodness of God. The fact that he gave his son up for you. That he chose to send Jesus to die on the cross. To die for your sins and for mine and the sins of the world. And remember that in doing that, he demonstrated, he showed us, he proved his goodness. And you can have confidence today to boldly ask anything in his name. And pray for God's will to be done at the same time. And once you and I really, really, truly get behind his will first, that that's our primary prayer, that all of a sudden we start to see how what we're asking begins to come into alignment. And if not, if it's something that's not in alignment, then maybe we change. Maybe God changes us instead. Maybe the circumstances is answered differently than what we thought. And maybe we don't completely understand it. But right now, just as Cynthia plays, I just want you to just to ask God in the quietness of this room to help you, maybe in your unbelief, help you in this struggle. That he would give you grace when it doesn't make sense. Just right now, talk to him for a moment, the quietness of this place. God, as we have talked about over these past few weeks, praying big, bold prayers, as we've talked about praying for your purpose, maybe, maybe we change your mind in, in some way of how that outcome becomes. God, as we pray about our circumstances and our situations and you reveal to us how we need to change first, God, I pray that you would help us with this difficult, difficult thing of praying for anything 
in your name, but also praying for your will to be done. Help us, God, to bring what we bring to you, how we think it should be answered, the way in which it should be answered. God, I pray that we would bring all of that underneath your will, believing that whatever that is that we ask in your name, in your name, your powerful name, you will answer us. Lead us in that. Lead us when we're strong on it. Lead us when we're weak. Lead us when we're off track. God, help us in our unbelief in these areas. And hear our cries as we pray it in your name.